So I'm in Mexico City uh, in a sort of weird political bubble where it must be the, one of the few places in the world where there are lots of optimistic conversations going on. There's a new government coming in in December, um, which could be a good thing. Um, Oxfam Mexico is very well respected here, very well placed. It's been doing a lot of work on inequality. And I'm with the, uh, exec- the ED, the boss of Oxfam Mexico, Ricardo Fuentes, an old friend. And I watched him last night in a cantina called Cobadonga, uh, networking with the incoming ministers, um, so I know that he's well placed to uh, interpret what's going on here at the moment. I think Mexico is going to be one of those countries that a lot of progressives around the world are going to be looking at over the next few months, few years. So let's see if Ricardo can explain a bit about uh, what's happened so far. Ricardo, thanks for doing this. Um, maybe just a bit of background for people. Um, Tell us what happened in the elections, the results, and how overwhelming it was. Yeah, well, uh, the the leftist candidate won the election by a landslide. Uh, We're talking about like 53% of the vote, more than 30 million votes, and uh, he won majority in the lower house in the Congress and the upper house, the Senate. So it was, it was a massive landslide. We haven't seen anything like this in, uh, in 40 years in Mexico. And certainly we hadn't seen during the democratic period in Mexico. So it's a huge mandate. It's a huge mandate and it's a huge responsibility. And uh, Andres Manuel López Obrador, the candidate who won the election, is, uh, is a complex figure. You know, he's, uh, he's uh, a person who believes very strongly in uh, like moral values, he's uh, he's coming from a southern state in Mexico, a poor state in Mexico, Tabasco. He's been mayor of Mexico City about uh, 18 years ago, and uh, he's uh, he's uh, uh, one of those politicians who's very well connected to to the people. He travels all around the country in Mexico. There are more than. 2,400 uh, municipalities. He visited each of them twice during the campaign. So, so he's uh, he's that kind of politician. Uh, but at the same time, he's kind of conservative in, in certain issues like uh, uh, LGBT. You know, uh, he hasn't been very upfront about his uh, his women's rights agenda. Uh, Anyway, you know, like we don't know yet what kind of what kind of Andres Manuel López Obrador we're going to get, but certainly we're going to get a change, and that change was much needed, and it's very welcome. So a bit more about him. He came out of the old Institutional Revolutionary Party. That's right. He's not a young guy. He's stood for election many times, right? Yeah. He's, this is the third time he ran for president. He he barely lost the election in 2006. He claims that election was stolen. He ran again in 2012. Uh, he lost by like about six percentage points, I think. And this time he won by a landslide. And and he's I mean, he's one of those old guard politicians. But like, who 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 knows how to connect with people? As I was saying, uh, this all sounds a bit like Lula in Brazil, because Lula went. Lula was came out of the trade union movement. He went through two or three attempts to become president, and then he won, you know, big when he did win. Yeah, no, that, like, I mean, I I thought about that. I think, I mean, there are some similarities with Lula, but uh, there are also like very stark differences. Uh, so so Lula Lula built his movement upon a union. 
Andrés Manuel López Obrador built his movement upon like a, a massive coalition that we don't know how stable it is, you know, and I think that's one of the big, big question marks in the in the next few months, like how that coalition that's called Morena, Movimiento de Regeneración Nacional, the movement for national regeneration, uh, how how that coalition is gonna is, is gonna play out? I mean, is it a real coalition or is it a vehicle for him as a kind of classic Calvillo figure? It's it's a vehicle for him, but like now that they have power in the lower house and the senate and many states, you you, you will need to to work as a as a coalition. They'll need to govern, and and it's very different to to run a campaign around a, a particular figure than to govern. Uh, a, a country that's very complex, 120 million people, 32 states, a federal system with uh, a lot of autonomy in the states and municipalities, um, and uh, you know, like I mean, many different interests. So, so it's not going to be easy for Andres Manuel. It's not going to be easy for Morena as the ruling party, and it's not going to be easy for opposition and civil society to find their new space in uh, in this new arrangement of power. So, what, that's a great introduction. What do we know about the different sort of possible directions that this new government will go in? I mean, and what did you learn in the cantina last night? Well, I mean, I think, I think there. Are, Parts within the there are elements within the 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 movement within Morena that are very close to the agenda that we push: uh, progressive uh, fiscal uh, reform, um, efficiency of uh, the public sector, more expenditure on social uh, policy, and and things like that. You know, but I think at the same time, you know, and and if. If we manage as a society, as a Mexican society, to push for that agenda, we're going to be much better off in six years' time. But on the other hand, I think there's an old guard of politicians that might want to use this mandate and the fact that they control both both houses and uh, the legislative and the executive uh, branch of power to go back to that kind of nationalist and clientelistic way of doing politics. So, so what did I learn at the cantina yesterday? Uh, well, what I learned is that uh, there is uh, a lot of debate, internal debate, in, uh, in, 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 the, in the new administration, in the incoming administration. And uh, what I've learned is also that uh, there, there will need to be tough decisions tough decisions about uh, how do you prioritize expenditure in the next year and how do you create the space for more taxes because uh, taxation in Mexico is very low is one of the lowest in uh, is one of the lowest in the OECD countries and, and it's very low in Latin America uh, compared to countries like Brazil and Argentina is uh, is around 17 18 percent points of, of, uh, of, of GDP. But López Obrador promised not to raise taxes. He promised not to raise taxes, but uh, I think uh, I think he made that promise before he knew he was going to win the upper and the lower house in Congress. And, so he's uh, regressing that, it now. Well, we don't know, you know. Like I think I, I think we, uh, that conversation needs to happen. The conversation about raising taxes needs clearly to happen, and and how those taxes are going to are going to have. 
a, a progressive structure. Uh, taxes are very regressive in in Mexico. Like when you look at the Gini, this uh, this index that, that that captures the inequality in a society. Um, when you look at the at the Gini before taxes and transfers in in many OECD countries, they're very similar to the levels we have in Mexico. But when you see the Gini after taxes and transfers. In, in, in countries in Europe and, and other other members of the OECD, you see a massive drop in inequality. In Mexico, the Gini before and after taxes and transfers is, is, is basically similar. It's basically the same. So basically what that tells you is that the state is not redistributing any income at all. And I think that needs to change and that conversation needs to happen. And I think uh, that, 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 that conversation, there's space to have that conversation now that Lopez Obrador will control uh, the, the presidency and that his party will control both the Senate and the, and the lower house. Okay, let's talk about what is, how does civil society react? Because one of my sort of theses is that um, CSOs are often very, they really have a bad time when they win. Because when, when something goes their way, half of them say, this is great, let's take that. And half of them say, this isn't enough, let's keep protesting. And I've sort of had that feeling here this week that CSOs are quite confused about the role they have in. Are they a uh, a loyal opposition that keeps hammering away on on things, or do they actually try and get into bed with the new government when they can and push things from the inside, or a mixture of the two? How do you see the discussions going on within civil society about their options? That's a great question, and I think uh, you're right that civil society right now is very confused, uh, and and we're we're confused because the the change is massive for the whole country, including. Uh, organizations or civil society organizations and, and NGOs and, and I think the change comes basically from the fact that the current government the government that, that will depart on, on November 30th was a government with no legitimacy whatsoever it's a very corrupt government uh, a government that uh, that couldn't control violence and a government that that was uh, serving very very particular interest so being a member of civil society was quite easy in that context. Uh, uh, I mean, not to not to minimize the the violence against human rights defenders in parts of the country, but like organizations like Oxfam Mexico could like. I mean, we the only thing we needed to do was to oppose. We denounce. Yeah, we denounce. We oppose. Yeah. You know, it was it was very easy. Now with the government, incoming government, that's closer to some of the agenda that we espouse, we'll need to find. Uh, what are the strategy and tactics we'll, we'll need to use? Do we, do we support particular policies? Do we denounce uh, others? Uh, like how, how the, the government will react to that uh, insider-outsider approach? Will they accept it? We don't know, but we need, to, I mean, we need to be ready to actually push agendas and not necessarily denounce governments. You see that, what I so mean? that's going to put huge strains. One, you've got a sort of new incoming government and party full of its victory who doesn't want to be criticised, especially from the left. Um, and they're going to get very angry. But then you've also got, and there's a lack of maturity there, they aren't used to that political game of you know, insider-outsider. And then the, the CSOs are in the same situation where they're not used to having that double game. They're used to just all be on the outside. And so you might, one of my concerns here is that there's going to be an enormous fight between the CSOs, between the people, the cantina people like you, <laughs> and the people who are more sort of 
on the outside saying These, this is just another government we're going to be like we always are and there isn't a there isn't a, a body or a space to have that conversation at the moment as far as I can see no you're right I mean I think that's that's one of the dangers that we're facing and I think we need to we need to learn very quickly and adapt very quickly to the new realities and find the space to to have that conversation between organizations to find that 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 that, uh, that space so we can iron out our differences and we can identify what are the things that we can push together as civil society and um, please, please note any funders some money might help with creating that space carry on Ricardo. yeah that, <laughs> it, it, and I, and i think we need to be mature or we need to mature faster as members of, 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 of the civic space in Mexico to, to realize that it's not about it's not about the relationship necessarily relationship personal relationship with the government but it's about our mission ambition so we need to think beyond the administration one of, I mean one of the exercises uh, we're doing with, with some of the allies and civil society is how do we want to how do we want to 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 be perceived and work in seven years' time, once this administration has ended, you, where, where do we want to be? And, and, and that gives us some kind of clarity. That, where do that, we as CSOs or as, where do we, we as Mexico? We, no, we, where, where do we as CSOs, individual CSOs and the civic space, where do we want to be? So, so that, yeah. that our identity is not defined by our relationship with the incoming government. The relationship with incoming government will need to to be defined by what what parts of the agenda that we believe in uh, can be can be pushed in alliance with 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 that government or in opposition to that government. But the agenda, the mission, the vision in Oxford, Mexico, we believe we exist to to fight extreme inequality and rebalance unfair power relations. So that that should be our guide. That that, that should be our, our lighthouse, and whatever whatever exchange we have with the administration and also with state administration and municipal administrations should be around that mission. Uh, but that's that's easier said than done because the like how do you implement that on the day to day? How do you make decisions? You know whether and there's a real issue there about what about how you manage uncertainty and risk. Exactly. Right? Everybody says at the moment, we have no idea where this is going. We don't know which of the currents within Moreno are going to be dominant. And therefore, we should wait. Wait till it's all clear. But if you wait till it's all clear, you know, we talk, everybody talks about the fog, the neblina, that there's this fog around the new administration. Let's wait till the neblina clears. But actually, that's missing a huge opportunity because if you get in early, you get to yeah. shape what comes out of the neblina. If you wait, you're just you're, you're going to be a policy taker rather than the policy maker. So there's ma but it's more risky if you jump in early because yeah. if you get it wrong, you're burned. I know that you're totally right, and and those are the kind of things that we need to deal with right now. And that's why uh, that that's why I think we need to be very clear on what we want to to achieve as uh, as organizations, and then we'll be able to assess that risk and. Um, and anyway, uh, I mean, one of the great things about the, the book you came to present, uh, How Change Happens, is this idea of dancing with the system. And I think um, civil society organizations in Mexico and administrations do not necessarily know how to dance with the system. There's a lot of external context to the, the NAFTA, the new NAFTA deal, Donald Trump, uh, you know, all those things 
create a lot of uncertainty, not only for civil society, but for Mexico as a country and, 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 and for the administration. So I think we'll need to be a lot savvier on, on how to dance with the system. And so, so I think it'll be important that all of us reread that, uh, how change happens in the next few, few weeks. I just want to say that was not arranged, okay? That's a spontaneous plug for the book. Um, two things to finish with. One, I mean, yeah, two things that have struck me uh, beyond the, 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 the coyuntura, beyond the political moment. So one is the level of violence is extraordinary yeah. here. The dis- the, uh, nearly 40,000 disappeared that we know of. Um, What's the connection between the new administration and doing something about the violence? Well, they, they're bringing new ideas, and, and we don't know yet if, if they're going to work. Implementation is key. So they're talking about two, two basic strands. One is um, some, some kind of transitional justice, amnesty. There, there, there is no, not amnesty a lot of, for who? Amnesty for, like... Uh, there's not a lot of clarity for who, but like I mean, it, it would it would it would be for people who were involved in in, uh, in some sort of abetting of crime, but not necessarily for criminals. You know, okay. uh, the challenge there is that the the, the justice system in Mexico is, is very weak. Ninety seven percent of of crimes uh, go unpunished. Ninety seven. Ninety seven percent. It's uh, it's wow. it's massive. And and even though there was a judicial reform a few years ago, it hasn't been like thoroughly implemented. So, so huge investments in the rule of law will be needed. And the other thing, I think, and that's, that's very smart, and we'll see how, how, how the discussion goes, goes around is about the legalization of, uh, of marijuana and legalization of poppy. Uh, a lot of the violence in southern states, particularly in Guerrero, relate to, to poppy plantations. And, uh, and, and it's a source of li- livelihoods for poor rural farmers. So the question is, like, how that's going to be implemented, how the United States will react mm. to these proposals, and, and how, at the same time that you go through this uh, transitional justice and that you go through the legalization of, of crops, uh, you find a way to strengthen the rule of law. I think that... legalization isn't one of the top... Uh, the 10 priorities of the new administration though, is it? Well, or they say it's rule of law, so it might come in under that. I mean, like the, the, the incoming Minister of Interior has, has, has made a couple of, uh, of, uh, of declarations on, on that front. So I think okay. it's, becoming, it's becoming an important issue. And, uh, and I think it's certainly an issue that we need to explore as a country and an issue that, that, that uh, we need new ways to tackle with uh, the drug on uh, the drug on war, uh, the, the war on drugs. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been 12 years since that war on drugs. Uh, that started in 2006. It's left more than 250,000 uh, bodies, and 40,000 people disappeared. So it's a massive, massive crisis wow. in, uh, in 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 terms of violence. And I think we need to do something different. But like my own my own uh, belief is that. Uh, Strengthening the rule of law is is paramount for this. Without strengthening the rule of law, and that includes investing heavily in the judiciary, investing heavily in the police, and investing heavily in 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 the attorneys, will be very very important. On another issue, I saw an interview with the, the new head of the Senate, the Morena uh, head of the Senate, and they asked him about women's rights 
uh, uh, the big abortion debate at the moment and all the rest of it. And he basically said, no, that's not in our top ten. So what do you see happening on gender-related issues with, uh, with Morena? Well, I think that's, that's part of the, the, the problem of that fog that you mentioned. Because, so, uh, there, are, there are parts of Morena that, that have this, this narrative, uh, which is very worrying. But there are other parts, including the Minister of Interior, who's a woman, who was a member of the Mexican Supreme Court, uh, who's going to say that they're going to push for a legalization of abortion across the country. Um, that would be a huge step. Um, so so what, what that reflects is that internal battle that I mentioned at mm-hmm. the very beginning of the podcast. And I think uh, part of the role of civil society is to identify who are the allies within the Morena and then push for that agenda, find, find, find the allies within the, the, the government and, and identify I mean, what are the progressive agendas that we can support and then support them without fear and without restraint. And hope you win. Because uh, if you lose, you're burned, as they say here, right? But it's going to be a good fight. <laughs> okay. Final thing. Um, you, you very kindly uh, arranged for me to go down to look at some of Oxfam Mexico's amazing work with indigenous communities and mining in Oaxaca at the weekend. Um, and that just brings up the whole question of economic interests. You know, Mexico is literally a gold and silver mine. Um, there's mining everywhere, but there's lots of other big economic interests. Some of them sort of the uh, legacy of previous periods of structural adjustments, you know, the, the privatizations and all the rest of it. How's Morena going to interact with these massive economic interests? Well, that's, that's another, another big question mark. My, my sense is that... So, so Lopez Obrador has this tagline that uh, seems like he copied from an Oxfam report because he's saying we need to separate political power from economic power. And I think that's, that's, very, that's a very important tagline. But like how how that happens is uh, that's a is, very un-Marxist position. <laughs> well, yeah, but like I mean, I think I mean, I think what we've seen is like and what we've identified as Oxfam is uh, this problem of political capture. And in Mexico, is very clear that people with money have a lot of political influence, and it, and it happens like many places around the world. The mining issue is is uh, is a case in point. Three of the of the largest billionaires in in Mexico have uh, mining interest: uh, Carlos Slim, uh, Germán Larrea, and Alberto Valleres. Uh, they've been on the Forbes list for more than 20 years, and they have mining interests. And and what we see is that, and you probably saw it in Oaxaca when you were, you were looking at the, in the indigenous communities, is that there is a, a massive disparity in power, bargaining power, and and mm-hmm. And how, like, how the the benefits from mining, the the rents from mining, are distributed. So the the, the idea of of having uh, this extractive uh, industry approach to development is something that worries us a lot. Uh, not 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 only because extractives is 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 related to environmental damage and the like, but because without proper governance. And, and proper redressing of those power imbalances, what we'll see is a, a, an amplification of the inequalities, and and that's what we're seeing right now with the, with the extractive model, um, where where we see you know like the mining companies pay little taxes, they they develop uh, uh, they 
almost no infrastructure. They don't create any any kind of a um, any, any kind of a side benefits for the communities, and they're they're creating this um, uh, this kind of vacuum uh, in the in the security system in many in many communities. You know, so so I think uh, what what we hope. You know the new administration will do is 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 help redress those power imbalances and give more voice to the communities. Using a very a very crude question: Would you, which would you prefer to just close the mines, or do you honestly think that they can be reformed and be a net benefit? It, it, it will depend on a case by case basis, you know. But like I mean, I think a lot of work will be will will be needed if we are to 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 rechannel the benefits. But right now, like I would I would say, you know, we need to stop many many of the mining projects until we, we have certainty that uh, that 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 the governance structure, the the consultation structure and the investment the, the, the social investment structure is in, in in the right place. Ricardo, thank you. Uh, that's Ricardo Fuentes, the uh, executive director of Oxfam Mexico, giving us an absolutely amazing introduction to a very interesting time in Mexico. I'll come back in a couple of years and see what happened. Yeah, whenever you want, Duncan.